0: Love, Hope, Radio.
1: Welcome to World Footprints Radio, the show where we celebrate responsible travel, culture, and heritage. Featuring your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. Now, World Footprints Radio.
2: Hello everybody. Thank you for joining us today on World Footprints Radio where we celebrate responsible travel, culture, and heritage. We're your hosts, Tanya and Fitzpatrick, and we're broadcasting from our studios right outside our nation's capital near Washington, D.C.
3: Today's show is the best of World Footprints Radio as we feature two celebrities who love nature, one who loves looking for its treasures and another who loves protecting it. First, we will go treasure hunting with the Travel Channel's Kirsten Gum, host of Treasure Hunter with Kirsten Gum. Then, one of our favorite celebrities with a real heart for the planet, Stephanie Powers, joins us for a memorable conversation. Remember, if you have a question or a comment, write us at comments at worldfootprints.com. Out
2: of the many guests that we've had on World Footprints, I love Stephanie Powers. She truly embodies our values at World Footprints Radio protecting our planet, global citizenship, cross-cultural understanding, and we truly look forward to our conversation with her again. What I enjoy is, uh, is treasure hunting, and I am so doing a happy dance um, with our next guest. As, as the host of Treasure Hunter with Kirsten Gum, formerly Cash and Treasures, Kirsten takes viewers on an exciting journey as she sets out to dig, pick, sift and dive for treasures ripe for the taking. A typical day's work for her involves climbing deep into a mine in search of gemstones, panning for gold in the Alaskan wilderness, or scuba diving for dungeness crabs. Kirsten, welcome. Hi, thank you. How are you? Oh, we're good. We're good. What a cool job you have. Hi, (laughs) Natalie.
4: I know I'm the luckiest girl on the
2: planet. I, I think so. You know, you, not only do you get to have some fantastic adventures like camping on ice or rappelling down the face of a mountain, uh, you, you get to treasure hunt. And you know, I have one question for you: Are you hiring right now? Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, You know, I don't know. I have no idea. (laughs) Only if you work for free are we hiring. Well,
2: you know, maybe you can take a remote show or radio show with you to kind of capture these things in real time. (laughs) After our
4: last adventure, our last two adventures, I'm not sure that you would want to come with us. We had some pretty uh, sketchy and dangerous adventures these past two weeks. Um, A lot of fun turned out to be fantastic and found great treasures on both trips. But I had a helicopter ride that I almost didn't come back from. Oh my! Treasure
2: hunting can be (laughs) dangerous—that's for sure. Oh well, we're we're happy that uh, that you did make it back and you're with us now. And uh, we know you're getting ready to start your second season, and I'm excited to learn about some of the places we can travel to with you during the season. But I also wanted to share with our audience a bit about your fascinating background. You have the coolest background. You started off um, on Fox Sports. I think you hosted Totally NASCAR in 2000, yep. correct? And, uh, and then you were ESPN's uh, host for Outdoor Block. And uh, most recently, you were the only woman on OLN's Tour de France broadcast team. And- That's
4: right. I mean, I, I, honestly, I have been blessed my entire career. I, I actually started in broadcast journalism in Seattle mm-hmm. and, um, you know, did local news and then uh, did local news for about five years and found myself in Charlotte, North Carolina and um, as you guys probably can uh, relate to, had contract issues, mm-hmm. and it turned out for <laughs> the absolute best because I got into sports, which is actually my hobby, my passion is it, it, adventure and adrenaline, and uh, yeah. Then started working for Fox Sports Net, covering NASCAR, ended up working for ESPN, worked for OLN, covered the Tour de France three years. I haven't covered it for a couple years now. Those mm-hmm. are the last three of Lance's seven. Um, and then just kind of moved right on uh, with the travel channel. So yeah, I, I I'm crossing my fingers and slapping my face every morning, going, oh my gosh, I can't believe my life, And the good and life it is.
2: Yes, indeed. And you've also done some uh, some pretty adventure, uh, extreme adventure races too, haven't you?
4: Yeah, I, I've I've done quite a few. They range from um, you know sprints, which are four to six hours long, to twelve hour races, to twenty four hour races to Let's see, we, my uh, team and I a couple years ago came in um, second in the Beast of the East, which took us five mm-hmm. days, and then I also did Primal Quest, which is, which is the big one in the U.S. It's mm-hmm. uh, basically like Eco Challenge, just a different name, and um, did that two years ago, and I was supposed to do it this year as well, but because of such a hectic work schedule, I, I had to back out on my team because I wouldn't be able to get the ample training time in. Treasure hunting has a whole different skill set than adventure racing. Now, although speak- some of them go hand in hand, that's for sure. Yeah.
5: Okay.
3: Now, speaking of that skill set, uh, you have a great uh, sports journalism background, but uh, now you get to participate in these activities. How is that a little different for you?
4: Oh well, I've always participated in sports. It just hasn't been on camera. So now, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not participating at the highest level. Of the, the sports that I've actually covered, you know, so I'm I would say I'm an amateur, a professional amateur athlete, if, you, <laughs> if that makes any sense. So I do a lot of a lot a lot of road biking, um, a lot of running, a lot of yoga, and because of my background, because growing up as an athlete, you know, you move on to the next thing all the time. I, I have a little bit of ADD, I fully admit, <laughs> so I like to try out one sport, find out as much skill. And uh, do it for a little bit, and then I move on to the next sport so I can't say I'm great at any sport, but i'm I am pretty darn good at a lot of sports
2: and and that's what you know really helped you help springboard you to where you are now with the travel channel uh, show treasure hunter
4: exactly I mean, they chose me I have a feeling because of my skill sets because this is this is not for the faint at heart I mean we get down and dirty, we spend long hours on the side of a mountain, roped into. You know, make sure that we don't fall off the mountain. Um, Very, very long days, and you have to have some skill, but not all the time. You know, I think anybody who has a passion to go out and find a treasure can do some form of treasure hunting. And we see people out there all the time, especially kids. Kids are really good at looking for things in the dirt. I don't know if it's because they're closer (laughs) to the ground or if they just don't don't know. You know, they don't know that there's a monetary value involved, you Mm -hmm. know, or they're just plain lucky. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I, I have to say these last two uh, shoots that we just went on. I just got back last night. Uh, I live in California. Got back last night from crabbing. So we went crabbing off the coast of Washington State. Now you know, you know the, you know the, the show. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. That's up in the Bering Sea in Alaska. It was nothing compared to that, but it definitely got my adrenaline going. We dealt with some high waves. Dealt with some big crabs with huge pinchers, um, mm. I got so dirty from head to toe, I basically smelled like one big rancid squid um, <laughs> for about two or three days, and, and my hat goes off to every crabber out there, because it is a lot of hard, hard work, and you've got to be really good at what you do, you're running around the deck, you're trying not to fall overboard, a lot of physical labor involved, but mm-hmm. the adrenaline rush in it was amazing. I, I actually scared myself because I liked it so much.
2: <laughs> well, you're a woman after my own heart, and a fellow <laughs> scuba diver, so I would have been there right with you. And I, I must say, I think the rewards at the end of the day, um, as two people, possibly three, if Marsha loves crabs, but you know, we're on the East Coast I like here. eating them. Well, that's
3: what I mean. That's what I so mean. do I. I've had more
2: crab in me in the past
4: 48 hours than I've had in a long time because when you catch it, it's free. Yeah, Usually, <laughs> nice. you can't go to a, a restaurant and actually get a lot of good crab for a, a small price. But I got to tell you, I actually ended up catching uh, almost $240 worth of crab. Oh. Yeah, in just a couple days' time, and anybody can go out there and do it. I didn't actually go scuba diving for crabbing. We were on a on a commercial boat, and then we did some recreational crabbing in Puget Sound, which anyone can do. They just have to get a license. You got to go drop pots
2: and mm-hmm. pick them
4: up like two or three hours later, and they're filled with crabs.
2: Wow. Well, this is wonderful. And Kirsten, we're we're going to continue with you after uh, after a brief break. I really want to learn what's going on. Uh, with this season's show and, and, and just kind of get some insights from last season's show as well. And, and uh, um, I, must, I must say I took copious notes during a couple of your shows last season, too.
5: <laughs>
4: so, uh, so I, I'll, I, give you, I'll give you all the secrets.
2: Oh, awesome, awesome. Well, I'm sure our audience will, will stick and stay with that. When we come back, more with the Travel Channel's treasure hunter, Christian Gum. You're listening to World Footprints Radio. And we'll be right back after this.
6: Hi, this is James Kay from Los Angeles, California. And I just want to say I've traveled all over the world. But whenever I come back home, I always tune in to World Footprints Radio.
7: I'm a doctor. I'm a teacher. I live in the South.
6: California is my home.
7: I speak fluent Spanish.
6: No hablo espanol.
7: I have brown eyes.
6: My eyes are blue.
7: We're very different people. But we do have something in common. I made a donation to the Red Cross.
6: When disaster struck and I needed help, her gift to the American Red Cross changed my life.
7: When you support the American Red Cross, you change a life, starting with your own.
6: Call 1-800-RED-CROSS or visit redcross.org and find out about life-changing opportunities in your area.
7: Joel Klein catches a 7 o'clock train after his evening CPR class at the American Red Cross.
1: Ron Garrett is on the same train. He's had a rough day and doesn't feel like himself. Until he feels the sudden tightness in his chest, Ron never thought he'd actually have a heart attack.
7: Until Joel is administering CPR, he never thought he'd actually save a life.
1: When you train with the Red Cross, you change a life.
7: Starting with your own.
1: Call 1-800-RED-CROSS or visit redcross.org to learn about life-changing opportunities in your area. What would happen if you didn't follow the established
8: path? Would you feel scared or proud? Could you explain that helping the people of Peru improve their own community would also have an effect on your own. Would you rather make your own way or spend a lifetime saying, what if? Life is calling. How far will you go? Peace Corps. To find out more, call 1-800-424-8580 or go to peacecorps.gov.
0: The air in your home is healthy for your family to breathe. Testing for radon is easy. Just call
5: 866 730 like green, GREEN.
6: A message from the US EPA.
5: Officials are concerned about a new influenza virus of swine origin that's spreading from person to person. Officials are acting to combat this threat, but the outbreak could grow. Prepare now. Check with local leaders, schools, employers, and other community groups about their plans regarding an outbreak in your community. It's important for everyone to know what to do about swine flu. For details, visit www.cdc.gov swineflu swine flu or call 1-800-CDC-INFO. A message from HHS. Hi, my name is Jennifer Jones and I'm from Glasgow in
2: Scotland. I love listening to the World Footprints Radio show online.
1: This is World Footprints Radio, celebrating responsible travel, culture, and heritage. Here are your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. Welcome back. Here's more of our
3: conversation with Kirsten Gum, host of the travel channel's Treasure Hunter with Kirsten Gum. Going back to your first season, uh, Anything, any highlights, any places, any adventures that uh, uh, resonate with you pretty strongly today?
4: Oh, well, there's, I mean, absolutely every show resonates with me. But (laughs) last year, we ended up going to uh, Australia for four shows. And I think one of the hardest treasures for me to find was Black Opal from Australia. It is extremely rare. It's very, very valuable. And it is so hard to find. But it, it took us out in the outback out in the middle of nowhere in Australia. It was 115 degrees at, at at the evening time, so I don't even know what it was in the daytime. Extremely hot. And um, opal, actually, it, opal is uh, created in feldspar, felspar is really, really white. So I found myself climbing up these hills because we were searching through the tailing piles, mm-hmm. and I was climbing up over these hills, and I got to the top, and no sunglasses on, and it looked like... The peaks of the Rockies, snow-covered peaks of the Rockies. I mean, it was white as far as I could see. And to find color in all that white, it was just, it was amazingly tough. Um, I would find a little bit of color because, you know, opal. Opal has that iridescent color. It's all mm-hmm. a rainbow, a spectrum of color. You'd find a little, little bit, but not enough to do anything with. So we finally convinced these two brothers that have a mine out there um, to let us go down in their mind, and the only reason that they let us go down was because we were a a show out of the United States and it was not going to be airing in Australia because in the outback, it's like the wild, wild west. People still get killed over Mm -hmm. things over there, and no one talks to anybody about what they found. Um, It's an extremely lucrative job to have an opal mine, uh, a lot of hard work, but they let us go down, and I I worked my tail end off Mm -hmm. for them. And we were about 20 feet down, and we're breaking down walls. And i got to tell you, one of the most exciting things is when you're, this whole sheet of rock will come flying down, and you'll see this vein of this, the, the, the best blue and green as ever seen. And I, I found myself falling in love with the blue and green opals, but they come in so many different colors. Um, that is one, one adventure I'll never forget. Another one from last year would be scuba diving for Jade off the, off the coast of California up in Big Sur. Um, I literally went down about 30 feet and was diving, you know, uh, tiny as a scuba diver, you know. Yeah. He's a little hairy down there. We had a, a big surge Um, So we're getting knocked all over the place. We stayed in the sea kelp beds because that's where sharks do not like to go. Mm -hmm. And I'm diving in between these huge boulders, which, you know, you just kind of have to put your game face on. And you can't think about what else is probably hiding down there. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm I'm not a scared person. It takes a lot to scare me. But, you know, you just don't want to be startled down there because... As a scuba diver, I suck a lot of air. (laughs) I know this about myself. Mm -hmm. I suck more air than the average scuba diver, I think. Um, But just going down headfirst and picking, you know, looking for that green, milky color and picking jade off the bottom of the ground that no one has ever touched and bringing it up and then actually having it made into uh, a pendant, a necklace.
2: I am so amazed. You know, I was uh, actually certified um, on the La Jolla Shores. I'm a Southern California girl myself, yeah. and I had no idea that we had treasures like that in our own backyard.
4: Oh, California is filled with them. In fact, the entire United States and the entire world is filled with treasures that you would never, ever imagine. But living in California right now, I, I'm, I'm amazed every day at how many treasures are right here in this state. Uh, another huge treasure for me last year, which was the, the the most valued treasure of the entire last season out of 28 shows was um, tourmaline that came from Julian, California, which is just an hour east of San yeah. Diego. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a place known for their great pies, and we definitely <laughs> definitely took in some of that as well. Um, but tourmaline can come in all different colors. This specific mine was known for its pink and green tourmaline. I ended up finding uh, a, a an incredible piece that coming out of the ground just looked like a, looked like a pixie stick. It just looked like a straw. They, mm-hmm. they, they form in like straw crystals, and... Uh, took it, had it cut. At that time, they valued it at $6,000. Mm-hmm. Then we had it uh, put into a pendant by um, Carlos Bastra, who is a wonderful, wonderful jeweler right here in Beverly Hills. And um, it ended up being uh, a pendant that would retail for twelve grand.
2: Wow. Now, you <laughs> yeah. know, the thing that I love about your show is that uh, a lot of the adventures you go on are, are adventures that, the, that are available to to the public. You know, there, I remember seeing a show where you did, went to a uh, a farm and you're panning for gold or something, yeah. or, that, or diamonds or something. And I, and that's a show I actually took copious notes on. <laughs> uh,
4: um, but yeah. I, I I have not been diamond hunting because diamonds are so hard to find in the United States. yet. That is one treasure I have not gone after. But most of our treasures that we go uh, go hunting for. Anyone can go hunt for. Mm-hmm. Even in Brazil, even in Australia, there are there are places that you can go. You just need to look on the website. Of course, we've got numerous links on the Travel Channel website. Um, but yeah, anybody can go. You know, when well, you go to these mines, too, you pay your fee, and they're really good about helping you out if you don't know what you're doing. Right. I and mean, that's basically what I do. I, I had no no degree in gemology. I had no idea what I was doing last year. I, ve- I feel very seasoned this year, though, mm-hmm. I have to say. And we've been all over this year already. Um, I think we're on our ninth show already. Uh, the the third season, it actually is the third season. The first season uh, was a different host, Becky Worby who did a wonderful job. And then she had twins. Oh, so she has a treasure. She has treasures of her own to yes. worry about at the moment. Yes. So this is actually our third season, and as you mentioned, yes, we, we've changed the name from Cash and Treasures to Treasure Hunter Kirsten Gumm, Um and it will premiere on the Travel Channel in December.
5: Mm-hmm. And
4: we've been all over. We've been in Texas, Florida, California. I just got back from Washington State. We're headed to Colorado in two days. We've been in South Carolina. Um, lots of new treasures for you, lots of new adventures. We've kind of upped the ante on the adventures because I'm, I'm a girl that lives off adrenaline, and uh, so we wanted to add a little bit more to it in our adventure. Mm -hmm. And
2: the payoff is great. (laughs) We're reaping fantastic rewards. Yeah, and and speaking of which, do you get to keep any of that, Kirsten? You know, that's the biggest question I get. (laughs) I get that question all the time wherever I go, and the honest
4: answer is no. The Travel Channel uh, owns everything I find because I am employed by the Travel Channel. So everything goes into a safe and right now I'm working very closely with the Travel Channel to try to get an auction going. I would really like to um, auction off all these treasures and then give the money to charity in whatever country we find the treasure in. Um, my, The way I see it is if I don't get to wear it, I want someone wearing it because right. I spent a lot of time and effort and sweat and tears pulling that stuff out of the ground. So definitely want someone walking around with... A beautiful tourmaline pendant around their neck Um, the exception to this rule has been the jade piece Um, the jade pendant I I ended up asking special permission to keep and they let me keep it because Mm -hmm. for me that was one that just was very close to my heart Um, Mm -hmm. the the gentleman who carved it for us Matt Glasby is uh, an amazing artist out of uh, Monterey Carmel area and he's only 27 years old He carves it right out of his garage. He has a studio set up in his garage, and every piece that he does is a a Mm one-of-a-kind. And I just fell in love with the pendant and just couldn't bear to to leave it. I had to have it. I don't blame you. I worked out a special deal on that one, but, you know, unfortunately, nothing is in my home. You know, the whole crew brings back... You bring back tokens, but yeah. nothing of of that value or that quality.
5: Well, Kirsten, I'm wondering what kind of treasures could we find right here, like you found in Texas or South Carolina, right well, here in DC, the DC area.
4: The DC area, boy. You know, in Virginia last year, we went to we went and hunted for ginseng. If you know ginseng, it is a root. Mm-hmm. It is called the man root, and it's supposed to have very good healing powers. Um, and we were in the woods of Virginia, not very far outside of Washington, D.C. Hmm. You know, I'd have to look at my little black book because I haven't been around the D.C. area. Urban treasures are a whole different thing. Most of these treasures, you're going out pretty much, you know, outside the urban area, um, I'm sure you could do some good dumpster dumpster
2: diving. (laughs) Uh, No, thank you. (laughs) I'm a flea market. market, Sounds like a
3: totally new uh, show concept there.
2: (laughs) Flea markets I can do, but uh, dumpster diving I'm I'm not sure that. uh...
4: (laughs) Well, you know what's close for you guys on the on um the East Coast is you know in North Carolina we went emerald hunting and found fantastic emeralds in in North Carolina. I lived in North Carolina for four years and had no idea that an hour from my old house was an emerald mine that the public could go to and could find some great stuff. Mm. Um, And and for scuba diving, a couple weeks ago, I just got back from Florida, and we went scuba diving for megalodon teeth. Now, megalodons were prehistoric sharks. They they used to be 60 to 70 feet in length. Yes. You can imagine how big their teeth are. You can find them on the bottom of the ocean uh, just outside Tampa. You can also, if you don't scuba dive, you also have a chance of finding treasures. You can go up the Peace River in Florida, mm. and uh, there are a couple different crews that go out there, and you dig and you sift through the bottom of the river. Now, of course, you're going to get wet. You're standing in, you know, alligator-infested water, but you've got to put that out of your head if you're going for treasures.
2: <laughs> well, you know, I, I've swam with sharks and uh, fallen into school of stingrays. So, uh, oh, we, me there. Yeah, maybe maybe I, I could deal with the alligators after a glass of wine or something too. We're not sure, but um, what did you
4: think about what do you think about swimming with sharks? Because I had the opportunity to do the same, and I absolutely loved it.
2: Well, actually, mine was accidental. I I, oh. I wasn't anticipating um, them finding us. They found us, so wow. um, it was uh, it was it was interesting. And um, you know, my greatest fear uh when i started scuba diving was running into sharks and uh, of course on my first open water dive uh what came you know upon me was was just a nurse shark but a shark is a shark to me so but uh i may i may join you on your next uh shark dive
4: yeah i'd I'd love i'd love for you to come i mean mine was in a tank so i had a i had a bodyguard who had a big stick and you know all sorts of stuff they can't they can't afford to see me go on camera, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I understand. That
2: would be bad. <laughs> I understand. Well, Kirsten, we've enjoyed talking to you. Thank you Thank so much you. and and I'm happy that uh, that you made it back safely to uh, to join us today and we wish you safe travels along all your adventures and we look forward to the show starting on the Travel Channel and I I believe the website is travelchannel.com if somebody wants to uh uh go and and and, and find out your schedule and uh <laughs> Anybody wants any
4: more information about me, I just launched my own website too, which is linked to the Travel Channel, but it's kirstengum.com and you can see all sorts of behind the scenes pictures from a lot of our adventures on that website.
2: And then Kirsten is K I R S T E N gum as in chewing gum and so yeah. Thank you so much, Kirsten, for joining us today. You're welcome. And we will see you somewhere um, on the road. Next, you know her from the
3: television series Heart to Heart with actor Robert Wagner and what a heart actress Stephanie Powers has for our planet, as you'll discover, as World Footprints Radio continues after this. Hi, my name's Timothy Kendrick.
5: I'm Grace Kendrick.
3: And we love World Footprints Radio.
5: And I'm a transplant from Michigan here in Vancouver and loving it. We love the radio. Thank you.
1: Well, he moved early. That's going to draw the yellow flag. Offside, number 72, five yards. Check out this
3: fan leaving the game. He's headed straight up the middle and right into a sobriety checkpoint. Let's see how he handles it. No, officer, I haven't been drinking. I'm the designated driver.
1: Upon further review, this fan made the right call by being a designated driver.
6: Sign up to be the designated driver at the stadium and always buckle up. You could follow your favorite NFL team to the Super Bowl, provided as a public service by the station and team coalition.
4: Making sure the air in your dream home is healthy for your family to breathe. Building a radon-resistant home is easy. Just ask your builder or go to EPA.gov radon.
6: A message from the U.S. EPA.
4: With great privilege comes great responsibility.
6: Carter Fleming community center volunteer.
0: The giving spirit is as passionate in the boomers today as it was in our 20s, and we as a generation can still
2: impact our country.
1: Read, inspire, change the world again. Join thousands and find which volunteer opportunity is best for you. Call 1-800-424-8867 today or visit www.getinvolved.gov. This message is brought to you by the Corporation for National and Community Service station.
6: Tom Gilmore lives on a farm. There's a storm on the way, so he's boarding up the windows of his house.
7: Haley Williams lives in an apartment. It's a beautiful day. She's making her usual monthly donation to the American Red Cross.
6: Tom doesn't know a tornado will leave his family with no place to go.
7: Haley doesn't know her gift will help give Tom's family shelter.
6: When you support the Red Cross, you change a life,
7: starting with your own.
6: Call 1-800-RED-CROSS or visit redcross.org to learn about life-changing opportunities in your area.
5: Health officials are concerned about a new influenza virus of swine origin that's spreading from person to person. Officials are acting to combat this threat, but the outbreak might grow, so be prepared. Store a two-week supply of food and water. Have two weeks of your regular prescription drugs at home. Keep health supplies on hand, including pain relievers and cold medicines. For more details, visit www.cdc.gov swineflu or call 1-800-CDC-INFO. A message from HHS.
1: This is President Barack Obama. In the story of America, the greatest chapters are moments of challenge when we see people serving their country and one another, volunteers who step forward into hospital corridors and church basements, along levees and fire lines. And the next chapter is yours to help write. Sign up to volunteer at usaservice.org. That's usaservice.org. Let's renew America together. A
6: message from Renew America Together, brought to you by the Ad Council.
0: What if you didn't care about being on the fast track? Instead of flying to the big interview, what if you flew somewhere else altogether, like a village in Botswana or a tiny island in the Pacific where needs are easy to see? What if you decided to share your skills with others and help someone else get ahead? Peace Corps. Life is calling. How far will you go? To find out more, call 800-424-8580 or visit peacecorps.gov.
2: Hello, this is Mertice Spadola from Gallery Mertice in Baltimore, Maryland, and I love World Footprint Radio.
1: You're listening to World Footprints Radio, awarded as the best travel audio podcast by the North American Travel Journalists Association. Here's Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick.
2: Welcome back. And as always, we are a show that celebrates responsible travel, culture, and heritage. As we've mentioned before, our change to World Footprints will represent what our values have been all along, a celebration of responsible travel, culture, and heritage To us, and to many we've shared this great news with, World Footprints better communicates our values of sustainability, global citizenship, travel philanthropy, and volunteerism, and we're excited that you'll be joining us on our journey to leave positive footprints and build positive legacies, one step at a time. As you know, at World Footprints, we love sharing people who have a heart for our planet, and certainly, actress Stephanie Powers is one such person. Here's our conversation with her. Actress Stephanie Powers has charmed audiences for many years with her grace and unparalleled talent with over 20 feature films, several TV miniseries and theatrical roles, and a music CD to her credit.
3: That was a surprise to I her. know.
2: I know. Stephanie may be best known for her role as Jennifer Hart in the ABC series Heart to Heart, where she co-starred with Robert Wagner. And although acting remains very important to Stephanie, she has undertaken a gratifying and demanding real life role as the president of the William Holden Wildlife Foundation, and she's here to share her love story and her heart with us. Stephanie, welcome. Thank you very much. Did I do all that?
5: <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you
2: know, I, I, I ran out of breath trying to introduce you. You just—you're just, you're just a, 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 a well-rounded woman of the world, and. Uh, well, travel truly, one of an inspiration to me. <laughs>
0: travel <laughs> has—I've never traveled frivolously, meaning I, I don't—I don't do vacations. Uh, mm-hmm. Lying on a beach somewhere is absolutely of no interest whatsoever to me. I do expeditions an awful lot, and I have been able to do that ever since I was very, very young. And uh, also was able to travel to countries where we knew our family knew people, so it was less touristic as it was actually going and being in a place where where you were somehow connected and of course working uh as one does in the movie business around the world that also places you uh in an unusual position with an unusual perspective because you are almost living in a country or mm. in a city away from your own and it and all that uh, that that demands it a, gives a, 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 an unusual perspective, uh, one that we are very privileged to have.
2: Indeed, so. and, and frankly, I was—I would have been surprised if, with everything you're doing, if you had said you do a lot of leisure traveling, because, my dear, I, I'm not sure where you'd find the time, and, you know, certainly <laughs> with your... Well, I you actually, know, I mean certainly with with your work with the William Holden Foundation, yes, well, I which was
0: created the William Holden Wildlife Foundation after <laughs> Bill's death in nineteen eighty one and uh Bill and I lived together for the last nine years of his life um Of course he had started he had begun uh a conservation activity in East Africa now it sounds very it's, uh, completely understandable, but let's remember that conservation as a word and a concept, mm. only came into the vernacular of popular culture in the 1970s. It's that recent. Likewise, as you know very well, travel as we know it only came became accessible in the way that it is now to people, uh, the general public in the 1970s as well. So all, all of these things which we now take for granted and think that people always did forever and ever is really very recent. It's all new information, although in mass, for for the mass of the public. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there were people who were concerned about the diminishing herds that were uh, in East Africa and had experiences in East Africa where the unique African uh, animals that we all prized so much uh, existed, and during their migrations, one could see, or at least they could see, even in the 1950s, that the herds were diminishing and that they were being predated other than by the normal predators, animal predators. They were being predated by the number one supreme predator, which is, of course, a human. Man. Yeah. And that, yeah. there, that there was a time clock ticking. Of course, mm-hmm. this never even came into the... Into the concept of the general public because they weren't concerned about it. They didn't think they had to be. We were in the midst in the 1950s of one of the greatest prosperity booms the world had ever seen, and uh, and everybody was just avariciously uh... obtaining all privilege uh, that we now take for granted.
3: Mm. Now the William Holden Foundation has a strong educational focus and. A focus on environmental consciousness, promoting that, and just promoting best practices with respect to the relationship of man to the animals to the environment, talk to us about the mission of the of the educational side of the foundation.
0: Well, let me first explain that when when William Holden went to East Africa in the nineteen fifties he went as a hunter
5: mm-hmm.
6: uh,
0: that's not a pejorative word, because in many cases, a lot of hunters were actually conservationists at heart. And many of them actually began to, to see uh, the need for perhaps keeping some of the large tusked animals alive for the gene pool. And many of them beca- uh, put their guns down and actually became the fir- in the forefront of conservation, and that's what Bill did. So he and his partner, Don Hunt, created the Mount Kenya Game Ranch, where we continue to breed, I'm one of the directors now, where we continue to breed 37 species of East African wildlife, five of which are no longer visible in the wild. Bill had always always felt that without the backup of education, specific animal preservation might simply fall by the wayside, and the minute your back was turned, bingo, off off would go a gun or a, bow, an arrow, or a spear, and that animal would be dispatched. So with with education in mind, uh, we established posthumously the uh, William Holden Wildlife Foundation, which was specifically designed to accomplish what Bill had not been able to do in his lifetime, and that was the building of a wildlife education center. We currently serve about 11,000 students a year. And we offer not only education in biodiversity and the essential role that biodiversity plays in our own survival, but we offer on-site and in practical application alternatives to habitat destruction, not only for animals, but for human beings. And in ways that are simple, simply adaptable, and very low in cost, which is, of course, Crucial to people who are living in a subsistence way.
3: Mm. Now, Stephanie, one of the things that was uh, was enlightening to me was just the amount of stewardship you've done in in, in various roles, uh, board roles for zoos across the United States, from Cincinnati to Atlanta, Los Angeles, and and I'm wondering how how you really came to be this person that. Uh, many of our major zoological parks would seek to have as, as part of their overall mission, because I, I, th- I think it's kind of, it would be interesting to learn from you how uh, your trip and your, your travels to Africa really kind of set the stage for that.
0: Well, I also created, I was also seconded to the service of Jaguar Motor Company, and I created for them the first ever corporate, um, an animal-specific conservation program um, trying to help um, in-situ conservation of the jaguar cat in Belize, Guatemala, and Costa Rica. It's called the Jaguar Conservation Trust. And we functioned very successfully for five years. Unfortunately, jaguar and ford fell on hard times, mm. and uh, I'm hoping that once we have some financial recovery, the new owners, Tata. Might be convinced to reserve or to resume this program, but I still am capable of operating it. I still wish to operate. I'm still in touch with all the people that we uh, that we uh, have benefited in Central America, and it's uh, it was a very successful. It was one of the few programs ever that was meant to benefit and to encourage with small grants in situ, meaning in place grassroots indigenous uh, uh, efforts on the part of local people to uh, preserve this animal at great risk to themselves, and certainly these were people who were rather simple, generally farmers, generally groups of Mayan Indians who used to think the jaguar as, as something which was uh, deified. Mm. These people who never got any recognition at all suddenly could hold their heads up after 20 years of trying to do something in the wild to help jaguars, with a small grant and with recognition, they could hold their heads up, and it's proven to be very successful. That's another aspect. And then I'm also on the board of a the Vanishing Species uh, Foundation in India, which concentrates on uh, the hopes uh, of preserving the last vestige of asiatic lions in the gear sanctuary in gujarat so i i did branch out and i'm very active in trying to preserve the Ameri- north american wild horse mm. and uh, prevent it from being slaughtered if we if we don't all stand behind some of this legislation which was temporarily put in places and it is in peril of being destroyed at every at every moment and uh Make ourselves heard to our congressmen. And we're not going to have any wild horses left in this country, and indeed, they were here before we were, Indeed. and they have every right to be existing on federal land. And uh, that's what the federal government is trying to get rid of. So mm. to fight very hard to keep them there.
2: Well, we'll uh, we'll we'll certainly do our part uh, here to uh, not let that. Happened, but you know I was I was listening to you talk about all of that, all of your activities. You know, I go back to my initial uh, thought during uh, uh, my introduction of you that you really do not have the time for any leisure travel.
0: <laughs> well, you know, a long time ago when I started to raise funds for uh, the William Holden Wildlife Foundation, somebody said if you want something done, call the busiest man in town because. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Somebody
0: you know who's not busy never gets anything done, and I'll be darned if it's not true. Uh.
2: Oh dear. I, I wanted to circle back to, to you know your first trip uh, when you first touched African soil. I know that Bill introduced you to, to the continent of Africa. How, what was that like for you, and how has it changed over the years, especially because you lived there for months at a time as a result of your work with the William Holden uh, Wildlife Foundation.
0: Well, he didn't actually introduce me to the continent. He introduced me to sub-Saharan East Africa.
2: I beg your I'd pardon. had been to
0: North Africa before, and uh, I'd been to Egypt, and I'd spent some time in Morocco, but um, I'd never been to East Africa. So Bill opened the door. We had many things in common, and uh, not the least of which was our, our love of uncomfortable places. <laughs> 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 and <the> expeditions. <laughs> And bugs, I guess. <laughs> and uh, I was already in love with the man, so it was very easy to fall in love with East Africa because uh, I was already halfway there. I, I was, uh, I was raised uh, uh, by a stepfather who bred racehorses and collected exotic animals. So the exotic animals were not new to me, and I, I had rescued a bear from a pet shop, a Malaysian sun bear when i found one in a local pet shop it was eight weeks old and it was uh i said my god you can't keep a bear i mean how is who's going to take responsibility for this and they said well why don't you buy it and i said all right i will and i brought this bear home and my yorkshire terrier used to intimidate it until one day i saw the yorkshire terrier sort of being you know scooting across the room, uh, sliding on the hardwood floors, and I realized the bear had sort of whacked it, and it was sliding <laughs> across the floor, <laughs> and so uh, then we decided, oh, Eugene might 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 be getting a little too big for the kitchen, but, uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, uh, I was not a stranger to wild animals, and, uh, mm. but I certainly, uh, it was, I suppose, like a fish to water, I, uh, But obviously, I I never imagined that I would become quite as involved and quite as monopolized by uh, not just wildlife and conservation, but East Africa.
3: When we return, Stephanie Powers shares her passion for conservation, the environment, and Africa as World Footprints Radio continues.
8: What would happen if you didn't follow the established path? you feel scared or proud could you explain that helping the people of peru improve their own community would also have an effect on your own would you rather make your own way or has been a lifetime saying what if life is calling how far will you go peace corps to find out more call 1-800-424-8580
6: or go to peace i i'm a doctor i'm a teacher
7: i live in the south
6: California is my home.
7: I speak fluent Spanish.
6: No hablo Español.
7: I have brown eyes. My eyes are blue. We're very different people, but we do have something in common. I made a donation to the Red Cross.
6: When disaster struck and I needed help, her gift to the American Red Cross changed my life.
7: When you support the American Red Cross, you change a life, starting with your own.
6: Call 1-800-RED-CROSS or visit redcross.org and find out about life-changing opportunities in your area. Would it be crazy if you packed your bags and left? For a week a month a year what if you left for two years what if you were going far away to help in a village on the edge of the Gobi Desert to spend time with people the rest of the world only reads about to teach children and learn a thing or two about yourself would that be crazy Peace Corps life is calling how far will you go to find out more call 1-800-424-8580 or visit peacecorps.gov
1: well, he moved early. That's going to draw the yellow flag. Offside, number 72, five yards. Check out this fan leaving the game. He's headed straight up the middle
3: and right into a sobriety checkpoint. Let's see how he handles it. No, officer, I
8: haven't been drinking. I'm the designated driver.
1: Upon further review, this fan made the right call by being a designated driver.
6: Sign up to be the designated driver at the stadium and always buckle up. You could follow your favorite NFL team to the Super Bowl, provided as a public service by the station at Team Coalition.
5: Health officials are concerned about a new flu virus of swine origin spreading from person to person. To help fight swine flu, cover your nose and mouth with a tissue when you cough or sneeze, then throw the tissue away. Wash your hands often with soap and water, especially after coughing or sneezing. Stay home if you're sick and limit contact with others to keep from infecting them. To learn more, visit www.cdc.gov swineflu swine flu or call 1-800-CDC-INFO. A message from HHS.
1: This is President Barack Obama. In the story of America, the greatest chapters are moments of challenge when we see people serving their country and one another. Volunteers who step forward into hospital corridors and church basements, along levees and fire lines. And the next chapter is yours to help write. Sign up to volunteer at usaservice.org. That's usaservice.org. Let's renew America together. A
6: message from Renew America Together, brought to you by the Ad Council.
8: Hi, I'm Alex from Baltimore, Maryland, and Tanya and Ian brought me to Baltimore by listening to
1: World Footprints Radio. This is World Footprints Radio, celebrating responsible travel, culture, and heritage. Here are your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. And welcome back. Here's more of our conversation with actress Stephanie
3: Powers.
2: I, I, I just have to share this story that I read about you. Um, you, as, as did I, when we were young, had... Um, desire to be a veterinarian and i love the story about you rescuing the white mouse. and i can promise you my mother would not have been as gracious as yours
0: (laughs) (laughs) my mother my long-suffering mother everybody used to bring me anything that fell out of a tree or was squashed under a car or they would somehow wind up at our house and uh, (laughs) we would nurse it back to health and with a lot of care and i'm sure mom's mom's participation suddenly miraculously they'd heal and there was one (laughs) white rat seemed as if we were we we always called all the white rats pd i don't know why where was (laughs) pd one two three four up to pd 12 or something like that one pd i don't know i guess it was a particularly cold night and we kept pd on the service porch in a terrarium and uh we arrived there in the morning, uh, and Petey was stiff as a board. I thought, "Oh my God, rigamortis is set in." <laughs> and my mother took this white rat, wrapped it in sort of uh, cotton wool in a little shoebox, and put it in a warm oven, and it <laughs> thawed <hot> out. <laughs> Bless her. <laughs> so we called it rigamortis Petey. And Petey lived for uh, many years
2: after that. Oh, my. I I promise you my mother would, as much as she loves us, I I don't think she would have um, sacrificed (laughs) for for a a Petey in our house. (laughs) but uh, you know back to the educational center you you guys are doing so much good work there and you know educating the local the local children um but you also give back to the to the community you invest in the community and you're actually You've actually initiated uh, some projects with the Kenyan school officials and parents to build more fuel efficient and sanitary dual purpose uh, food preparation and dining facilities. Tell us a little bit about these activities.
0: Well, we, we, oh, we decided um, at a certain point, actually, largely because we live, I live on the edge of a forest reserve, and it's the forest reserve of Mount Kenya. And it goes all the way up on the slopes of Mount Kenya. And in the mornings, I ride my horses up on the mountain. And one, I mean, I I was riding my horses up on the mountain. I came across a village. This is years and years ago. Came across a village with a little rural school. And there were about 600 kids with about 14 teachers. Well, they obviously had never seen horses before, and I ride with my groom, mm. and generally we were exercising horses, so I would ride and and have two horses, one on either side of me, so I'd ride in the middle and have these two horses on, and then he'd ride in the middle and have uh, two horses on either side of him, one horse on either side of him, so there were, we must have looked quite a sight,
8: <laughs> six
0: horses coming up the road and only two people on top of them, and... All of these kids went screaming out of school and I thought, Oh my God, my horses are polo ponies. And so they're real athletes. And I thought, Oh, I'm going to wind up on the ground. These horses are going to run home I'm, it's going to be a disaster. So I got off the horses, walked over to the biggest kid, because I didn't want them to throw rocks or anything like that. Walked over to the toughest, biggest kid and said, would you like a ride? Come on up and see these horses. Well, he had to prove to everybody else he was tough. He was scared to death of walking up to the horse, <laughs> but finally he did, and finally I got him up on one of the horses, and he was a hero. Mm-hmm. And we met all the, we met all the teachers, and then I kept riding up there and talking with them, and I realized, you know, we'd missed the point. We built a beautiful education center, but we weren't reaching the rural communities who so had no capacity to actually come to our beautiful education center, why build something that doesn't have access, and, and why not take the message to the bush instead of trying to bring the bush to the to the education center? So we did an experiment and built our first rural library onto the existing school, because when I went up there, uh, I speak Swahili, so I can talk to people. Oh, my. And I explained to them that I come from America, well, they didn't have a map of Africa let alone a map of the world. So how could they know anything about the concept of wh- how far away these countries were mm. and where they were in the world? So that was a signal that we 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 really should address ourselves to the needs and requirements of people who really were in the front lines of confrontation with wild animals, living up in the forest. There are forest elephants, there are hyenas, there are uh, leopards, there are zebras, there are buffalo, and so people are constantly in contact, and certainly the elephants raid their crops. Maybe they shouldn't be be there planting (laughs) crops, but anyway, they do. And uh, so trying to create a a bond uh, where one doesn't exist is a real challenge. Mm. It would allow them to understand how important coexistence is and what biodiversity really is. You'd think these people who live so close to nature would actually understand how it is, but it's a debatable fact that mankind, as the ultimate exploiter, has ever lived in balance with nature. Mm -hmm. All we do is exploit it and move on and i guess you know over the ascent of man and the evolution of mankind our exploitation until recently was always repairable until now
5: mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. now stephanie to the foundations credit you are pushing uh... sustainable communities You're promoting education and and i know when reading through some of the newsletters uh, the foundation really is making an impact with uh, the young people in Kenya who have a chance to participate in some of the programs of the foundation itself. And, well, we and hope one of the we
0: are. You know, there's never any guarantee. Yeah, we're
5: hoping, yeah.
0: Right? You know, we're, we're working against all odds, and
5: mm-hmm.
0: when you look at what's going on in the whole of uh, sub-Saharan Africa, and you see Zimbabwe, and you understand mm-hmm. what's happened to South Africa and West yeah. Africa, and you see that it's very difficult to try and um, uh, retrain a mind that's worried about whether or not it's going to have a meal on it right. uh, to eat that night, mm. uh, and make them think about something that is uh, as as large a scope as the overall need for uh, biodiversity and the preservation of it. Very difficult uh, in most of the world. And I think it, it, uh, the biggest lesson we have to learn as Americans is that most of the responsibility rests on our shoulders, and it is not something we should take lightly. We are principally responsible for most of the exploitation around the world of natural resources, that feed our consumption, ultimately. And therefore, we should be leading in trying to reverse this process.
2: Indeed. Now, um, for those in our listening audience, for the benefit of those in our listening audience, um, how can the public become involved and support the Foundation? I know you've had a... um, a chair, uh, uh, Cartier, I think, hosted a polo charity. We've had lots Not-
0: of, you know, we've been in. A, we we did our first fundraising event in 1982. So we've done the polo world was fantastic. They opened their hearts to us and their pocketbooks, and we've done lots and lots of polo events. We've also done concerts. We've done uh, um, uh, motion picture festivals, and uh, and we have our online and our. Continual, ongoing uh, uh, fundraising through our newsletters and, uh, mm-hmm. and our, our website. Our and website. what is your
2: what is your uh, website address?
0: It's whwf, which are the initials of the William Holden Wildlife Foundation, dot org.
2: Okay, okay. And in the last sixty seconds, we have. I just wanted to, to touch. Uh, very quickly on your career, you've had such a wonderful and continue to have such a wonderful career. And what surprised me the most was not the music CD, which I think surprised Ian, but what surprised me the most was your performance in the vagina monologues. And I have to say, go girl, because <laughs> that was uh, that's that's amazing. And uh, uh, what what is next for you? I know you just finished uh, a couple of a couple of things. Uh,
0: I just, yes, I just finished working in England. And uh, and uh, I'm going to do a film in Europe uh, at the end of summer. Uh, at the moment, uh, uh, I'm trying to. Uh, I'm back in Los Angeles for a little while to try and finish some of the remodeling of my house, which, oh. as anybody who has ever done this, is
2: a nightmare. Yes, I know, I know, so I'm glad I we're have still to we're con- the game just right so look looking. <laughs> well, I'm glad we're still going to continue to see you on, and, and as you know, you have an open invitation to come back on the show, but we thank you so much for sharing some time with us today and, and talking about the William Holden Wildlife Foundation. We hope you enjoyed the best of World Footprints radio with our conversations with the Travel Channel's Christian Gum, an actress and conservationist Stephanie Powers. Thank you again for joining us today. We look forward to connecting with you during the week on Facebook and Twitter. So join us on our social networks and sign up for our newsletter from our website at worldfootprints.com. It's been a pleasure to share some travel time with you. We're Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, and we'll see you on the air again next week, same time, same frequency. And until then, leave positive footprints and build a meaningful legacy one step at a time.
5: Hi, guys. My name is Sandy Best, the Sandy Best from Lake Louise. Where's Lake Louise? It's in Alberta. Alberta's in Canada, Banff National Park, Natural Beauty. The only place you should go with is World Footprints Radio because they spend their time looking at those special places that are not tourist traps, that are not thousands of people. For the best on the
3: planet, go with World Footprints Radio. This has been a presentation of Travel and On Media Productions, LLC. All rights reserved.